morning. Welcome to the gathering of Recreate Church. We're glad to have you with us. If it's your first time and you're a guest, we want to make you feel especially welcome. Those of you who know our motto, help me out. Uh, no matter your story, you are welcome, you are wanted, and you are loved. Um, if you're new, be sure to pick up one of the brochures. Inside you'll find a lot of information about who we are and what we're about. Especially check out the center section with the core values. And you can always go to the website at recreatechurch.org. You probably notice that we don't pass a collection plate. If you believe in what we're doing and you want to make a contribution to support the work, you can drop it in one of the tall wooden boxes that's by the door or by the other door, <laughs> by the hospitality area. <laughs> uh, this is also where you can drop your connection cards, prayer requests, and anything else you want to get to the pastor. Uh, if you miss a Sunday or want to share a message with a friend, um, you can get the Recreate Church podcast. It's available just about everywhere that you can stream audio. Um, if you want to cheer for the Recreate softball team, we have games Tuesday at 6.30 p.m. and Saturday at 11 a.m. All the games are at the rec department fields by, behind McDonald's. Um, today, Pastor Michael is continuing the series on the end times. Before I turn it over to him, I want to pray for us. So let's pray. Lord, thank you that you have plans to make this world and us new. Please help us find your grace in the midst of struggle. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, how about you give Katie a thanks here? Now look, if y'all been following the story of our family, the fact that she is standing, that alone is actually pretty impressive, all the crazy stuff that she's been through. But uh, that she's up here on this stage giving a welcome. Um, she's like, the big deal is that she didn't die of uh, nerves. Because um, it's... <laughs> I'm the one who gets up in front of crowds. She's the actual one who's good at talking to people. I'm the guy who's good at talking to crowds. But if you like corner me after the service and you're like, man, Michael's kind of awkward. He's not very good at small talk. Um, if you want to do small talk, she'll, she's awesome. She's a wonderful, wonderful human being. And uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm not as good at that. It is an exciting day to be here. I'm so glad to see you guys. Some of you back inside for the first time. Some of you in this space worshiping for the very first time. That's a big deal to me. We have made it back, and it feels like it's been a lifetime. So much has happened. We got a whole new set of kids back in the kids' area. All the other kids have grown up, and we were prepared for, like, bigger kids, but they're like little kids. We've got a whole new crop of kids coming. It's so exciting, and I know they're having a fun time back there. Well, we've, we're on the end time study, and we've gotten to the part of the study that most people associate with the end times. We've got to the tribulation period. This is the wild, apocalyptic plagues and judgments and all that stuff, and some of you, when I said I was going to do the end time series, this is what you had in mind, and you've been like, Look, we've been through this like five weeks, and you haven't got to the wild, weird stuff. You promised us wild and weird stuff. Okay, you're here. All right, everybody, I see smiles. Like, oh, it's going to get weird today. That's why I'm here. That's why you should show up every Sunday. <laughs> it, might get, it might get a little weird. Um, it has taken us a while to get here because I wanted you to understand the reason for the weird stuff. That God does have a plan for all of this. God has a plan for the tribulation period. He is bringing something bigger out of it. It will be a time where it seems like everything is out of control, but God is in control, and we need to know that today. Even when everything seems out of control, God is in control. 
You can write that down. You can nudge your neighbor and say, hey, when everything seems out of control, God is in control. He's in control. There is a plan to bring good out of even the most terrible times. That is true of the great tribulation. That is true of the tribulation that you face. Because you and I know what it's like to struggle, don't we? Anybody ride the struggle bus here? My car doesn't have air conditioning, so I'm riding the struggle bus home. I mean, it has air conditioning. There's a button, but the button don't know it's supposed to turn on the AC. So <laughs> eventually I will replace that car. Um, but yeah, that's, if that was the worst struggle we had, no AC on a hot day, man, we'd have made, wouldn't we? Anybody else know what it's really like to struggle? Maybe know what it's like to suffer. It is comforting to know that God takes our struggle. God takes our suffering, and he does something out of it. You see, struggle sends us seeking God's grace. I think I have a slide for that, Casey. Would you pull that up? That's kind of the main thing that we're going to revolve around today. Yes, it's about the tribulation period, but I want us to all remember that struggle sends us seeking God's grace. Part of the point of the tribulation period will be that um, people will be shown that they need the grace of God. It will send them seeking God's grace. Part of the story of the things we go through in life is we're being encouraged to seek God's grace, God's forgiveness. And uh, there can be. There can be grace and forgiveness. So the book of Revelation gives us a basic structure of the primary prophetic events. There are three sets of seven. We have seven uh, seals, seven trumpets, and seven bowls. Twenty-one. I ain't going to get through 21 things today because I could spend a couple hours talking on each. It'd be okay if I preach for like 21 hours. My wife says no. I'm going with what she says. All y'all were nodding. They were nodding, Katie. Can you believe that nonsense? <laughs> All right, Billy, me and you, you stay after it, and I'll just preach to you, okay? And when I get tired, you take over. No, but I'm, we're just going to kind of... Um, <laughs> We're going to kind of talk about them briefly, all right? I want to give you a foundation for, for your own study, all right? So um, just a heads up on a lot of these things. I see them as being literal. I, I really think there is going to be seven years of judgment. I don't know these things are going to happen. There are some things that are described in symbolic language, like there's a red horse that's the symbol of war. That's a symbol, but the war part will be literal. You follow me? So this is the, the way I'm coming at it. So... Um, I just want to know, let you know, some of this stuff is scary, creepy, weird, awful. I'm not interested in scaring you today. If I wanted to scare you, I'd do a stage dive right now. Duncan's down, but the rest of y'all are like, nope. Duncan would pick me up, he says. That is small consolation, my brother. Uh, I'm not going to scare you today, but here's what I want you to see that you don't have to be scared. If you trust Jesus up front, this stuff, this bad stuff is going to happen, but you don't have to be here for it. If you trust the Lord up front, you don't have to go through this. You don't have to be scared. You know, I'm not scared of scary movies because I don't watch them. So, <laughs> I mean, that's an easy solution. Uh, I don't know if I would be scared if I did watch them. I don't know. I got three kids. My life's a scary movie. What y'all talking about? Anybody else got some kids? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. <laughs> Whole thing. No, I got good kids. This was the band up here, by the way, is my kids. <laughs> they did pretty good. Good job, buddy. You did good. Um, so uh, 
I want you to see that if we trust Jesus now, we can escape all this. And uh, one of the biggest purposes of the tribulation in all seasons of struggle is to send us seeking after God's grace. I want to pray for us, and we're going to get into it. Heavenly Father, I pray you will make the word come alive to us, that we might understand better and better what you want to tell us. And may we seek salvation and grace in Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. Okay, three sets of seven, right? The first one is the seven seals. Not the semi-aquatic mammal, okay? <laughs> Not that not that kind of seal. It's like a seal on a scroll. If you just go back to the first one, there you go. Thank you so much. Appreciate Casey today. <laughs> the seals, I want you to imagine these are seals on a scroll. You know what a scroll is. It's a rolled up piece of paper. And it has seals around it, all right? Maybe some of you somewhere been to a fancy wedding or something and they had some seals. I haven't been around of a lot of scrolls and seals, but I think I've been to a couple fancy weddings that had those. And uh, the, to get into the scroll, you open the seal, right? This one is sealed with seven seals. Seven seals are going to have to be broken in order to open the scroll. But someone has to have the authority to open the seals. And that one is Jesus. Only Jesus has the authority. So as he opens each of these seals on the scrolls, John sees this in the book of Revelation, something happens. We're going to be in Revelation 6 right now. If you're in the scriptures, this whole thing goes Revelation chapter 6 through 16. We're not going to get through all of that today. We're going to get through part of it today. But if you want to study it, it goes, that's where it goes. The Apostle John, you heard of him? He was one of Jesus's 12 original OG disciples. I was going to say original gangster disciples, but gangster disciples is like a real gang. I mean, so that's not, that's not what we're about. We're the Jesus gang. But we don't do what the other gangs do. <laughs> but he was one of the original, closer maybe to Jesus than almost anybody. And God gave him a vision, and he wrote that vision down in the book of Revelation. And it starts out like this. The first seal, Jesus breaks the first seal in the scroll, and a rider on a white horse appears. We studied this guy like two weeks ago. This is the Antichrist. He looks like the Christ coming in on a white horse. Good guy rides a white horse, right? Not this time. The bad guy rides a white horse. At the end, we're going to see the good guy riding on a white horse. But the Antichrist comes in, and he looks like a man of peace at first. Then he takes over the world and becomes the most horrible dictator the world has ever seen. That's the first seal. Jesus breaks the second seal on the scroll, and we see a rider on a red horse. This is the symbol of war, war that will rage throughout the tribulation period. Not only will it be war. Now, hey, when we hear that, we stop and pray. That's one of our callings here. We're going to pray, Lord, Heavenly Father, we pray for the first responders and the folks that are going to help that you would be with them, that uh, everything will turn out okay in Jesus' name. Amen. I think God has put us on this street corner to pray for our folks going through our town. So that's what we do. Anyway, the red horse symbolizes war, not only war between nations and groups, but war between neighbors and families. I don't want to dig too deep because some of y'all know what it's like to fight with people you should get along with, to have feuds in families. And, and uh, you know, Diane over here is a descendant of the Hatfields, right? The Hatfields of the Hatfields and McCoys. So Duncan is on notice. All right. He's on notice right now. We have some hat, real Hatfields of the Hatfields and McCoys over here. So they know what it's like to have a feud. But we ain't starting none of that today, right? 
Okay. Um, the exits are there, and there's one in the back, just in case. Uh, no, it it will really devolve into war. Like, things that normally people would fight about will become a war. People will be at war with their neighbors and killing each other over stuff like that. It's going to be terrible. There will be, um, then Jesus breaks the third seal, and we see a rider on a black horse. This is symbolic of worldwide famine. Now, in the last year and a half of this pandemic stuff, we've noticed how easily supply chains can get disrupted, right? And production can get disrupted. And simple things that you think you should be able to get, like toilet paper. I mean, you just can't get. Imagine what it's going to be like when the world descends into total war and chaos. It's going to be crazy. You, You won't be able to find anything to buy. And if you can find something to buy, the price gouging that we have seen is going to be nothing. The scriptures tell us that a person will have to work all day, a whole day's wages, to buy food sufficient to feed one person a meager meal. Now imagine working a 12-hour shift to buy a pack of instant ramen noodles. I'm serious, though. I mean, that's how bad it will be. That's how bad it will be. So it's, it's going to get pretty bad. The fourth seal. Jesus breaks the fourth seal and a rider on a pale horse. Right? Was that a Western? That sounds like it's a Western. Uh, it should be. Someone make that movie. This is symbolic of death in many forms. We've heard about the violence of war. We've heard about starvation. And, and John also says that the wild animals will rise up against people. I mean, that's going to be crazy. Uh, I mean, I guess you're thinking like bears. We saw a bear run across the field below us the other day, and I'm like, kids, how about y'all come back in the house? There didn't used to be bears around here much when I was a kid. Um, just imagine, you know, some who's going to be taking care of zoos? I mean, zoos or zoo animals are just going to be loose. Lord help anybody who lives down there near that Carol Baskin and that Tiger King fella, because it's going it's to get bad. I have not watched that show, okay? I have not. And if you have, you should repent. <laughs> Hey, I love <laughs> but seriously, though, it's going to be crazy. And even, you know, even like um, domesticated animals and pets, if there's no one taking care of them, who knows? It's, it's going to be bad. And between those first four plagues, one-fourth of the world's population will be destroyed. Tough times. Fifth seal. How about some good news? Jesus breaks the fifth seal. And we get some good news here. This really isn't a plague. This is, John gives a vision of the tribulation martyrs. This is in, uh, uh, in heaven. He sees in heaven beneath the throne of God. We're still in, in chapter 6, by the way. Of the believers who have become believers during the tribulation period. Lots and lots of people will turn to Jesus. I mean, wouldn't you? I mean, if you look around and the world's fallen completely to pieces, even worse than what we've experienced lately, and prophecy is coming true all around you, you'd be like, um, yeah, I think it's about time. I think it's about time I get things right with the Lord. Lots and lots of people will be saved. They'll call upon the name of Jesus and be saved. Another passage tells us that there will be people from every tribe, tongue, and nation in this group, which I interpret to mean... Every people group on the planet will have some kind of rep- representative in the family of God. The gospel will reach the ends of the earth, at least at this time. And people will be saved. Many hundreds and thousands, maybe hundreds of millions of people will be saved at that time. That's awesome that people can still be saved during the tribulation period. But you know what's better? Getting saved before the tribulation period. 
man, I, I, I want to I get things right before all the stuff hits the fan because it's going to be so bad. Nobody wants to, leave to, to, to live through any of that. All right, the sixth seal. This one's interesting. A global earthquake. Global earthquakes can be so devastating. We only get the tiniest little shakings here, but in some places they're just awful. I think this is going to be the answer to the people who think they can ride out the tribulation period. All right. Um, some folks, when they hear that things are going to get bad, they want to dig a bunker, right? I got a little bit of that in me. I'd like to dig a bunk. I'd just like to have a bunker as a playroom. I don't know. Go down there and play foosball, ping pong, whatever. I mean, that sounds like fun to me. I mean, honey, can we get a bunker? Oh, she says no. Okay. Sorry. My wife says no. Sorry. No, no ping pong at the Shockley house. No bunker. Anyway, but some people will want, <laughs> some people will, mom, can I come put a ping pong table in my old room? No, she's got it full of stuff. That's what happens when you move out. Your parents fill it. That's, that's her survival bunker is my old room. It's got all kinds of stuff, but you know, you, you won't be able to just ride it out. All right. My family's been prepping for a long time. All right. Putting cannon stuff and freezing stuff and putting it in like a cellar. We just didn't call it prepping. We called it, we want to eat something this winter time. Can I get a witness? You like having something to eat in the winter time? Yes. Uh, so you won't be able to just ride out the tribulation period by being in a bunker because there's going to be a global earthquake. And the scriptures talk about people hiding in the mountains and hiding in caves. And if they had survival bunkers, they'd probably hide in those too. You know, John didn't know what that was at this time, but all that's going to collapse and there's, you know, nobody's going to be able to hide from this. So whatever you think you can do, if you've ridden out the first little bit, you won't ride it out for very long. We're also told that, um, well, by the way, the best prep, if you want to be a prepper, the best preparation is to not be there. Like, yeah, not be there. Best preparation for not getting hit by a train is not being on the tracks. So let's get off the tracks. <laughs> that makes sense to me. It makes total sense to me. So at the same event, the sun will go black, the moon will appear red like blood, and stars will disappear in an instant. Does that, does that mean like the stars just pop out? I don't know, because we see them later. We see them later. So maybe what happens here is all the dust from this global earthquake just blocks it all out for a while. I don't know. It's going to get bad. So if you're reading along in the book of Revelation and you find this part, you can see that it doesn't go immediately to the seventh seal. It kind of goes off and talks about other things. That's because John's a preacher and he gets distracted and he goes, no, that's not really what happened there. But there is like a parenthetic passage. That's what we call it. You know what a parentheses, parentheses are in writing? You know, they put them in the little parentheses and it gives extra information that you didn't have to give right then, but you did. So it goes on and talks about um, some other things for a little while. It talks about um, the 144 Jews that will be sealed, and it talks about the multitudes of tribulation saints, and then it goes back to the seventh seal. I think the seventh seal is maybe over in Revelation 8, if you're holding the place. So Jesus breaks the seventh seal, and there's silence in heaven. Heaven is not normally a silent place, if you read in the book of Revelation. There's lots and lots of singing. Lots and lots of singing all the time in heaven. But it's going to be silent, an hour of silence as the next set of judgments is prepared. So now that all the seals on the scroll are opened, the scroll can be opened, and it kind of seems like what's on the scroll is this next judgment that comes, the seven trumpets. Seven trumpets, all right? Um, the second set of the seven 
judgments will be seven angels blowing seven trumpets. Each trumpet unleashes something new. Imagine you're on earth and you hear the sound of a trumpet blast knowing that something awful is about to happen. That's just terrible. Don't know for sure that everyone on earth will hear it, but they might. That would be really difficult. We're getting sort of well into the tribulation period at this point, although it's very difficult, I'd say impossible, to know exactly where these things fall within the seven years. This is getting pretty late because people can't live too much through too much more of this. Sorry, the first trumpet, the first angel blows the trumpet, and crazy stuff starts falling out of the sky. Hail and fire and blood. Freaky. A third of the trees are burned up. All the green grass is burned up. Probably all the crops are burned up and other vegetation. What are we going to do? We're not going to have anything to eat if it was planted at that time. It's going to be really bad. Animals won't have anything to eat. And all the fire will probably affect the, uh, the atmosphere. It might be global warming. might be global cooling. I don't know about meteorology. It's going to be bad, though. Second trumpet. Second angel blows the second trumpet. And this huge burning mountain falls into the sea like a meteorite, and it turns a third of the oceans to blood. Okay, this is getting nasty because some of y'all like the sea. Like, I love going to the beach. I don't. I'm just saying for y'all. My wife loves going to the beach. My kids love going to the beach. I love my wife and kids, so I go to the beach. Y'all follow me on that? (laughs) Um, It'll be awful at those times. Will will one-third of the ocean really turn to blood or it just look like it? I don't know. I'd say the God who can make the oceans can make them into something else. Not any trouble for him. It'll kill one-third of the sea life, and and this thing hitting the ocean will cause a tidal wave that will destroy a third of the ships. It's going to be pretty terrible. Okay, now I'm looking at you right now, and I've already ruined the beach for you, so let's just keep going. Let's, Let's ruin the rivers, lakes, and streams while we're at it, too. So the third trumpet is blown, and one-third of the freshwater sources are poisoned. This is weird. It's like another meteorite coming into the atmosphere. They call it the star wormwood. What a name for a star, wormwood. And it just dissipates into the atmosphere and poisons the freshwater sources. So there goes our fishing. It's going to be terrible. Do you know even now about 1% of the water on earth is drinkable and available? And then a third of that will be taken away. Pretty terrible times. The fourth trumpet will be blown, and the sun, moon, and stars will be struck. All natural light will be cut by one-third. All right, what happened in the sixth seal, a global earthquake, right? So what's going to happen to the power grid? It's going to be decimated. So if the sun, moon, and the stars aren't given as much light, the whole world's going to be a pretty dark place because there's not going to be much electric light either. It'll be tough times. Now, I don't know if that means the heat from the sun is going to be reduced, because if it is, that means there's going to be another ice age. That'll be pretty terrible. All right, the fifth trumpet. Ooh, this one gets crazy. All right, I don't like this one. This, you know what the heebie-jeebies are? Because you're about to. This one gives me the heebie-jeebies. Um, first time I studied through the book of Revelation, I was about 13 years old. And this distinguished gentleman in the front row was my Sunday school teacher. That's my dad there. Yeah, that's how good-looking I'm going to be when I'm an old man. (laughs) Dad um, taught us through the book of Revelation, probably because we pestered you into it, I'm going to guess. Us us teenage boys like, Dad, we've got to know about the end of times. Of course, my voice wasn't that deep. Dad, we've got to know about the end of times. That's probably what I was saying because I was 13. Um, And... (laughs) 
I have fun up here. I hope y'all are having fun too because you're stuck with me for like 10 more, 50 more minutes. So I hope, I hope this is fun for you too. Um, but yeah, but he, we got to this part and this part freaked me out. Dad did such a good job, by the way, that I see guys I was in Sunday school with all those many years ago. And they're like, I remember when your dad talked to the book of Revelation, did such a good job. You did a great job, dad. So my understanding of the book of Revelation now got started with you. So if you are dealing with a bunch of 13-year-olds that don't seem like they know anything, you're getting through to them more than you think, all right? You know, it's some of what you say is sticking, so keep on doing the right thing. This one weirded me out <laughs> because the fifth trumpet blows and the bottomless pit opens and demonic locusts come out of it, and they are weird. Um, the scriptures describe them as having the body of horses, the face of a human with long hair, lion's teeth, crowns on their heads, they are armored for battle. When they fly, it makes a horrible sound, and they have a scorpion tail. They didn't, that was bad enough. I don't like scorpions. I don't want no scorpions. And this scorpion tail, when it stings you, you're in pain for five months. This is awful. This is creepy. This is so terrible that some people have said, oh, well, that can't really be what it really is. That must be symbolic of some sort of like attack helicopter or military vehicle. I don't know. I mean... I don't think there would be any problem these things being real. It could very well be the case. Either way, they're going to be so awful and this thing will be so painful that people will try to take their own lives to end their pain but will be supernaturally prevented from doing so. Bad stuff. All right, the sixth trumpet. The sixth angel blows the sixth trumpet. And four angels, four evil angels that are imprisoned in the river Euphrates will be set loose. It kind of looks like they're generals in this army of 200 million horsemen, demonic horsemen, and the horses have the heads of lions, and they breathe fire, and their tails are snakes. It's bad stuff, okay? I'm, I'm seeing the faces, and they're like, that's not the kind of horses I know. I love horses. My horses are sweet. Well, these won't be. These are bad. And... Um, Somebody has said, well, maybe there must some kind of military vehicle. I don't think it matters whether they are or not because it won't be any better because they're going to kill about a fourth of the population of the earth. It's bad times, man. After that, there's like another break, another parenthetic passage uh, where John describes a bunch of other stuff and uh, including, uh, well, a lot of things we can't dive into today. Um, the most important figures are the two witnesses who will spend three and a half years of the tribulation explaining what is going on. These are like supernatural pro or prophets, and we could go into who they might be, but they will be killed by the Antichrist, and the Lord will raise them up on the third day, pointing back to the resurrection of Jesus, which they've been talking about this whole time. And then finally, we get to the seventh trumpet. You're going to like this one. You get to participate in this one. In the seventh trumpet, there is shouting in heaven. There's a huge shout in heaven that all the kingdoms of the earth belong to the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God has overtaken every kingdom of earth, and these 24 elders who sit around the throne of God will bow down before him. They represent the believers of all time, and this is where you can come into the story if you're a child of God, if you trusted in God. If all of heaven is shouting and you're in heaven, what you going to be doing? Shouting. Yes. I'm ready to shout right now. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Come straighten out this mess. And he's going to. At this time, we see the temple in heaven open up. 
and we get a glimpse of the Ark of the Covenant. I've watched Indiana Jones as well. Apparently, it is not in a government bunker somewhere. The Ark of the Covenant is in heaven. And uh, on earth, they experience lightning, thunder, hail, and an earthquake. And the stage is being set for the final of the seven judgments, the seven bowls of God's wrath. And that is where we're going to pick up on next time. I'm, I'm not going to hit you with the rest of them. I'm going to talk about that and the return of Jesus. But there is one more thing I want to talk about before we wrap this up for today. And it's in Revelation 9. If you'll bring that up, Casey, there's a scripture. See, John wrote this. John, the apostle. And this breaks his heart. I want you to check this out. John's observation after the sixth trumpet goes like this. Revelation 9, 20 through 21. But the people who did not die in these plagues still refused to repent of their evil deeds and turn to God. They continued to worship demons and idols made of gold, silver, bronze, stone, and wood. Idols that can neither see nor hear nor walk. And they did not repent of their murders or their witchcraft or their sexual immorality or their thefts. Can you feel John's heartbreak in these words? John was one of the closest followers of Jesus. He sat right beside him at the Last Supper, and he's so heartbroken. He spent his whole life urging people to turn to Jesus and be saved, and now he's seeing these people in this future time who, who have seen all of this crazy stuff, and they still refuse to let go of the evil and choose the good to, to be saved. Um, that's a whole lot of what this tribulation period is about. To make the right choice so obvious that there's no excuse for not choosing the right thing. Because good and evil will be so clear. I know in this world sometimes it's difficult to know what's the right thing to do. It'll be really obvious. Christ or antichrist. Good or evil. And some people will still choose evil. That's heartbreaking. Because God has delayed the end of time. It says in 2 Peter 3, 9 that, that, that God has delayed all this stuff to give more people time to repent. He said he's, God is not slack concerning his promise, but he's long-suffering towards us. That people might have time to repent and be saved. He's not willing that any should perish, but all that should repent and turn to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Um, the tribulation period is going to take away all the excuses. To reject Christ at that point will be to know 100% what is right and still choose evil. John looked at the vision and he saw this heartbreaking scene of people who knew the right thing, but they still refused to let go of their evil. They were still making gods out of, if you go back one verse, Casey, they're still making gods out of things that are not gods. Gold, silver, bronze, wood, all that. Look, in 2021, we don't make a statue and call it a god. But we make a god out of money. We make a god out of jobs. We make a god out of recognition. We make a god out of the forward-facing camera and Instagram. Not me, but good-looking people, you know. Um, people who, anyway, go on. My wife's going to whip me for that. Sorry. She says, don't be mean to yourself. Okay, thank you. We make a God out of things that are not gods. We make a God out of things that are really good things, even like, like family. Family's wonderful, wonderful gift. But families can't, can't take the place of God in your life. You can't expect them to do for you what only God can do. We've got to be careful that we don't make gods out of things that aren't gods. Well, I'm awfully glad, having read all this, aren't you glad we're not in the tribulation period right now? 
I mean, it's bad enough. It's bad enough right now. We got enough struggle without any of this crazy stuff. So kind of like in more of the, the heat of 2020 when everything, there was a new crazy weird thing every day and people were like, man, I think we're living in the end times. And I'm like, mm-hmm. be glad we're not because it's going to get a lot crazier than stuff like this is going on. Uh, the world has plenty of trouble already. We got tribulations here and now. We get to choose how we respond to that. When we go through seasons of struggle and suffering, we can choose whether it will move us closer to God or farther away. We get to choose whether it will drive us deeper into our sin or be the thing that is our wake-up call to break us free of our chains. Some of the stuff we go through in life is our wake-up call. Do you all know that? Like, not everything bad that happens to you is because you've done something bad, all right? And you need to be careful when you look at the lives of other people that you do not assume that they're going through hard times because they have done something bad. Like, I wonder what bad thing they've done to get punished by God. No, I I caution you against that. Because about the time you say, oh, Lord must be punishing (laughs) so-and-so, the Lord has a way of sort of dealing with that. Um, But when you look at your own life and when we go through struggles and hard times, it should make us think, okay, is there something in my life that's not right? Because it could be something there. Here's the principle of life. It's not very polished, but it's very true. The timeless principle that I've shared with you over and again is this. If you do stupid things, stupid things will happen to you. I'm not getting any amens on that because it's a little too real, isn't it? If you do stupid things, stupid things will happen to you. Ask me how I know. Because I've done stupid things. And stupid things have happened as a result. Not every bad thing that happens to you is because you've done something bad. But if things are kind of, if you're going through a season of struggle and suffering, it's worth looking. It's worth taking a look. (laughs) Lord, is there something I need? Do I need to pull out the stove and sweep behind it? I got some yucky stuff back there in the stove of my heart. Okay, you'll follow that. It's a weird metaphor. Just stick with me. We're going to land this plane in just a minute. When it comes to our own lives, it's wise to do soul searching during times of struggle. Struggle ought to send us seeking God's grace. I'm going to leave you with that thought. Struggle sends us seeking God's grace. If you got some struggle... God can show you His grace through it. Whatever it is, at home, at work, inside you, struggle looking around our world and seeing the crazy stuff that's just so against God. Even through that struggle, God shows us His grace. So here's what I want us to do. We're going to pray right now. We're going to pray that God would... Help us to see His grace in our struggle. Heavenly Father, I pray for all of us gathered here in this spot. I thank You that we can be together. I pray for the folks who are receiving this message later on in recorded form. Lord, I pray You'll help us to see Your grace in the midst of our struggle. Father God, thank You for being the God that redeems our pain, that redeems our suffering. And the tribulation we go through now can bring us closer to you, and I pray that will be the case. Lord, I want to pray for everybody who's listening to this, that if they've never trusted in Jesus as Savior, that they'd call upon your name now and ask you to forgive their sins and be saved. Lord, we give you the glory, and thank you that we can escape the difficult days to come. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'm so glad to have you with us today. It means a lot. 
especially those who are here worshiping in this space for the first time. Awesome to have you here. God bless you all. We'll catch you next time. We've talked about it. Now it's time to go live it. See you.